I'm Trixie. And I'm Weege. And we are 33XPL. We love horse racing. And we teach you about it so you can have fun with us. Every week, we publish podcast episodes across a ton of platforms and also on YouTube. 33XPL is on Instagram and Pinterest, too. You'll find exclusive video lessons, other content, and more fun stuff at our free community. Just go to www.33xpl.com, log in with your email, and you're there. No spam, no gimmicks, just a place where new fans and fun lovers can get together to learn and share. Well, hello there, Weege. How the hell are you in 2022? I'm the hell fine, thanks. How are you, Trixie, in the fine 2022? I am great. So far, so good. And uh, we have taken a big, long holiday break, and we do not apologize. It's been fantastic to do so. But but <laughs> yes, we are, yeah, it really has. But we are back, and just like we talked about, uh, we sort of gave a... Um, a preview of some of the upcoming road to the Derby races and the futurities going on in January. Now it is all about the futurities and the road to the Kentucky Derby, which is super fun. So we're going to come back to some of those themes, but we're also going to talk about what happened in some of the races that we were looking at and some of the exciting ones to come. So Really, there's almost too much to start with, but I can what, start us out if you'd like. I would love it because Weege actually put together this cool resource with um, lists of the upcoming races and uh, you know dates and stuff, and we will put that all in the community section of our website at www.33xpl.com. It is free to go to our community, um, and you don't even have to sign up because we'll put it in the public area where you can get to it easily. But if you'd like to sign up with your email address, then you will have access to more resources, including other little educational materials that are exclusive and that are only at our website. So by all means, go take a look there on the community page, along with we're getting back into our like horsey news and fun stuff daily and, you know, all the cool stuff that we put over there. So definitely go take a visit. So on to the Weege. All right. So, and we will be doing even a little, a few little history lessons as we go along this year, but um, we do have some uh, starting of the year stuff. So now we're making our way, we're in 2022, but um, I just want to go back and say, you know, the, the road to the T Kentucky Derby started last September. So it's been going on for a little while. And these are basically um, prep races. So there are champion races after the prep races, of course, um, just to kind of give you a feel for it, because I didn't even have a feel for it either. So I'm, I'm handing you what I've gone ahead and found. So the championship races, um, they are basically um, fed into from those prep races. So we get the horses out there, we look at them, we see how they do, and then we start putting them together and sort of weaning down the field so that when we get to the Kentucky Derby, even though the field is like 20 horses, it's still narrowed down <laughs> to 20. Yeah. I mean, the prep races in points, uh, the early prep races like we saw in uh, 
you know, December, January, February, they are worth fewer points. You right. know, they'll tend to be worth something like four points to the winner, maybe two points to second, one point to show. Um, but when we get into the later quote unquote prep races that are also championship races leading to the Derby. Those are called derbies themselves, like the Arkansas Derby, the Louisiana Derby, and those will be worth as many as a hundred points. So while these beginning races are important and they are giving us a chance to look at these horses and decide who will be in those later championship races, we're still pretty early in, yeah, in, the, in the road. It is early. So before I start with any of that, um, I'm just going to hit a few things that were, that, you know, were sort of just finishing up last year. Um, just one or two things before I get into the derby items. So I just wanted to point out that we had the, on the 26th, that was the uh, Santa Anita opening day. And so there were some good races. So I just wanted to point out a few things because one of them is like weird and the other is kind of funny. But um, your friend Fluffy Socks came in third. Fluffy Socks. Yeah. So that was the American Oaks G1 on the 26th. Um, Good race, but I did not do well. Uh, Queen Goddess won. Nicest, which I think was my pick. Was it my pick? No, yeah, nicest was your pick. I think, or at least you was, had it maybe in an exact amacta yeah, or something. I think I had fluffy socks in there too, so I was a little disappointed because I didn't even see Queen Goddess coming, but that happens. And then the San Antonio Stakes, which was a G two, and that was on the twenty sixth as well at Santa Anita. Um, yeah, Express Train won, and Express Train's awesome, but Hot Rod Charlie. You are dead to me now. <laughs> you because do came not like being in first. Again. No, see no. if you had if you had midnight bourbon nipping at your heels and irritating you, maybe you would have come in first. But man, that was irritating. So, um, and then eight rings, which you know the stalking Baffert horse. Yeah, we did not like that. So yeah, that yeah. horse came in third. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Hot Rod Charlie, you're dead to me. And then the other race was the Malibu G1. Uh, that was also at Santa Anita on the 26th, same day. Because um, that's like kind of an epic opening day. People, it's their after Christmas tradition. Yeah, their um, Boxing Day thing. And a very exciting thing happened in the Malibu G1. Finally, the hyped up horse, um, Flightline, finally got to run. And we were talking about this before. So, you know, you can, you don't have to go back and reference, but just you know, just recall that we were on this one. Flightline won in a big old way. And Flightline is worth all of the hype. Um, he really did the job and I did not doubt it. Um, what was interesting is that it was, um, uh, he was racing against baby Yoda stiletto boy and our old boy, Dr. Shival, who is we actually call him Dr. Shival. People say Dr. Shival, but we like Shival. We like Shival. So we <laughs> call him Shival. Dr. Shival was off having a smoke break, which I did oh, not expect. No, that no. was the saddest thing. Dr. Shival was in the freaking Breeders' Cup and was nose to nose with the winner, um, Aloha West. And it was like craziness. So I expected a full on fight, and there was none of that. He just was like, <laughs> I, I at least expected a fight for second. I mean, yeah. we, I was betting Dr. Shival, 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 because 
I had a sentimental attachment to that horse. And I think in the right company, he is just a, a boss. Yeah. But Flightline, like it was pretty dang hard to bet against Flightline, so I didn't. Uh, Flightline just smoked the field. But I expected Dr. Scheivel to still be in the money, and no. But my show baby, Stiletto Boy, mm. who, you know, you believe I have, in him. I, I believe in him to show. I have bet that horse to like. <laughs> Just come in. Like that horse kind of comes in. It's like the person who comes by the break room never brings anything. But if there are cupcakes, <laughs> they show up and they're like, hey, I smelled something. Or did somebody get pizza? Like like Stiletto uh-huh. Boy is that kind of that kind of person, that kind of horse. So I expect Stiletto Boy, if there's fresh food in the break room, Stiletto Boy is there. So I I bet on He's him. He's like your that. keep me in mind. <laughs> totally. He's my keep me in mind. I really, yeah, I did uh, like, and keep me in mind is now a little like Hot Rod Charlie because we love coming in second. We yes, love we number do. two. Yeah. So yeah, but Flightline, Flightline was impressive. And, and we just talking to me, uh, uh, about this uh, earlier before we started podcasting, just what a shame it is. We're not going to get to see Flightline in a derby because really kind of got robbed by the whole pandemic year. So we're not going to yeah, see Flightline. He, he had some physical issues that just sort of took him out, but I'm glad I'm glad they were patient and let him heal up real good because he is a champion. And so they obviously were wise enough to not rush that process. Yeah, and I'm sure they will they will run him in some of the four year old races this year because obviously they're going to want that stud potential through the roof. Although, yeah, already I'm for the Pegasus, are, maybe. Oh yeah, people are so in love with Flightline. The Pegasus would be a great place to to see him. So yeah, yeah. So all right, so let's go to the Derby now. So it's going to be on May seventh, twenty twenty two, and so we're well underway with the prep races. So the prep races and the champion races. So the prep races are in full force, and the champion races are going to be starting up, kind of overlapping with the prep races, but in February it looks like. So um, the United States will have the majority of the candidates, and then Japan will have one candidate um, if they win their prep races, and Europe will have one candidate as well. So they'll be represented. And I believe they have special, you've talked about, uh, Trixie, you've talked about the special purses attached to um, the international horses. Right. Like the Preakness, uh, I'm sorry, the Belmont uh, has had a $1 million bonus for a Japan-based horse. That's been hanging out there for a few years. Maybe this year a Japan-based horse will take it because they sure looked great in the Breeders' Cup. They uh-huh. really kind of broke through in a big way. Yeah, uh, Love's in, Only You killed it. Yeah, yeah. They looked great in the Breeders' Cup, and it, it was kind of a big breakout performance for them. Mm-hmm. So we are, uh, yeah, on the road to the Derby. Yep, we sure are. So a lot of, um, let's see, I don't even know how many. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 10, 11, 12, 13. As of the sham, it'll be 13 uh, prep races. And that's for the Derby. We I have the Oaks uh, schedule as well, but they're pretty much on track with each other. And um, the, the Derby is obviously for the boys. The Oaks is for the girls. Um, the ladies... <laughs> the ladies compete on the Friday, the boys compete on the Saturday. And so they're both 
you know, they're both prepping right now, earning points, getting ready, weaning down the competition um, as we speak right now. So and, we're and, well into it. And in case we should uh, recap this point, the two-year-olds who were two on uh, December 31st are now officially three-year-olds right. uh, as of January 1st because horses get uh, aged or, or rated for races that have an age requirement based on the calendar year, not based on their month of birth. So uh, yeah, so now all those two-year-olds that we've been watching have turned into three-year-olds and mm-hmm. that's making them derby eligible. Um I wonder, could I chat up two specific futurities that we talked about in our holiday race podcast? Of course. Okay. So we had talked about, uh, because we were talking about all the holiday racing and things we were looking forward to. And two of the ones that I was looking forward to were the new Gunrunner Stakes, which is an inaugural stakes named after the famous Gunrunner, going to be held at Fairgrounds Racecourse in Louisiana. And that was also the day after Christmas. And then it was paired up with the untappable stakes for the girls uh, at Fairgrounds Racetrack. So I was interested to see those go off and I wanted to see what happened. And so the thing that I'll tell you is that for the boys, the winner was Epicenter, who is an Asmussen-trained horse. So Epicenter came through first on that. He will be running in the Lecompte Stakes, which is a G3 on January 22nd. Um, and that is also a derby prep race. Um, and the other horse that won the untappable, the filly, was North Country. Uh, she's a Brendan Walsh uh, trained horse. But what was interesting, what jumped out to me about both these horses is they are both progeny of not this time. So I immediately went running over to look up more about not this time. And not this time is in an early part of his sire career. I think this is, let me look it up here real quick. Where are you? Not this time. He's ranked 72 out of 100 sires in the Thoroughbred Daily News. He's on his second crop. So his second crop of foals means there have been basically two breeding seasons since he started to go out. Those horses now are starting to come in as winners. And uh, I read that it's uh, sort of a, I don't know, bit of common wisdom, I guess. It doesn't always hold true that a lot of the uh, sire's best progeny or fastest, most winning progeny will be made in the first five or six crops of foals. So to see two, not this time, progeny show up in those winning races was really interesting. And just yesterday, Weege and I were watching some races from the opening day of uh, Sam Houston Racetrack. Yeah, we'll, we'll chat a little bit about that. The 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 better's friend because what were you saying? They have like a twelve percent takeout, so yeah. people love them. Uh-huh. Yeah, so so people love them because there's a twelve percent takeout, which is the takeout is what comes off the top before the rest of your bet goes into the betting pool to be eligible to win. So uh, obviously, when they take out more, just like when a credit card takes 
fewer fees, there's more money in the pot to win. So betters like that. But anyway, Sam Houston, we saw in the late race, Sam Houston's opening day, another not this time kid won. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. So we're seeing two crops of foals and we're seeing some juicy winners come out of not this time. Not this time is himself uh, a progeny of Giants Causeway, the famous uh, Giants, Giants Causeway. But it is, uh, it is pretty interesting as we see in the futurities, we start to see some of these new sires really make their selves known Mm -hmm. because you really start to see the progeny all coming up. So I've been very interested in looking at the sires and there is uh, only one more I want to talk about, and then we can get to get to some more of the sort of future-looking stuff. But another one I definitely have my eye on, and I'm not alone in this, is Nyquist. Mm-hmm. Nyquist is uh, a child, a, a son of Uncle Mo. And as soon as I talk about Nyquist, I'll let uh, we each talk more about Uncle Mo. She's the Uncle Mo. Yeah, the Uncle the Uncle Mo expert. But Nyquist has had, again, two crops of foals. And Nyquist just had Slow Down Andy, who won at Los Alamitos in the prep race. So these horses who are early in their siring career, which is when you expect to see fast horses coming out of them, are being represented in winners in the uh, prep races, which has definitely got me thinking like, okay, slow down, Andy. You know, okay, epicenter. You know, okay, Uh North Country, I got my eyes on you for the Derbies and the Oaks. But anyway, it does, you can't talk about Nyquist without talking about his sire, Uncle Mo. So let's talk about your love for Uncle Mo. My love for Uncle Mo. You know, my love for Uncle Mo just kind of started, I was watching TVG and I don't know, the name is funny. So I just kind of took a look and then all of a sudden, once I became like aware that, you know, this... The sire was, you know, standing and, you know, breeding, obviously. And I saw that he was showing up in my racing forms all the time. You know, like it was start, he was starting to really show up. Then I noticed they were winning. They were winning with regularity. So I got to the point where I was like, look at Uncle Mo. And then I got to the point where I was like, hey, I'm just going to bet on him whether I know him or not, because it seems like at least 50% of the time it works every time. <laughs> right. Well, when, when, when she like tipped me to the, to the Mo that she was loving the Mo, I started paying more attention to the Mo kids. And sure enough, there were like some golden Mo's and some Mo Forza's and there were like some Mo's yeah, popping up. Golden Pal is, you know, yeah. was was epic and very notable in the Breeders' Cup. And there are some upcoming kids. And I even bet on a random race in Australia one night at like 10 or 11 o'clock just because I was like, oh, it's an Uncle Mo kid. Let's see what they do. They won. <laughs> well, And the thing is, they're saying that uh, Uncle Mo, when he was running in his generation, he recorded the highest buyer figures of his generation at a hun- at two years at 108, and when uh-huh. he was three years old 
at 118. That is a crazy high score. That is a crazy high buyer speed. Anything over 100 is elite speed. 118 is crazy pants speed. Yeah, it's like rocket to Mars speed. It is total. <laughs> it is flight line speed. Uh-huh. That's what we're talking. We're talking about like super fast speed. But Uncle Mo has turned out to be a terrific sire, and I'm looking him up here in my list of the top 100 because he's he's way higher. And he is. Oh, and here's here's our friend Golden Sense, who we saw mm-hmm. at Spendthrift Farm. He's on his fourth crop. Okay. Um, and so uh, I like this list. I will put a link to this uh, Thoroughbred Daily News list of sires uh, into our uh, show notes, along with some other linked resources that we're sort of following as we go, because it's kind of good to have this information. So Uncle Mo is currently 13th on the top 100 sires list. Mm-hmm. And you get to see who their top earner was and his top earner is Golden Pal at 706,000 lifetime earnings. Uh so that's the top progeny of his in earnings, but total earnings for all of his progeny are almost 12 and a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. And so that's that is not nothing. Right. And plus if you think about it Golden Pal just turned 4. So I mean 700 700- thousand dollars not bad for you know four-year-old <laughs> yeah and so and we have and we have uncle mo's uh you know progeny nyquist who is now himself on the top 100 list so he's really uncle mo is looking at being one of those horses um like the the top ones you know like right. giants causeway that they make a difference to the whole sport. If there's an Uncle Mo kid, unless there's some huge reason, I'm just going to throw a little something on it because <laughs> why would you not? Like it's like Cuz they're strong. The thing I like about them is they're strong and they're fast as hell. You know, but they're not like spindly little horses. They don't look weird. They're they're tough and big and strong. And, you know, they make great sprinters and they're real fast. And, you know, I just, I like a big, strong, you know, we know I like a big, strong horse. She likes a big, strong horse. She likes, she likes a thoroughbred that looks like a quarter horse. Exactly. If you give her a thoroughbred that looks as strong as a quarter horse, that is where the girl is betting. That's I, that's where she's at. I like big butts and I cannot lie. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So we have got some exciting races Coming up, we'll have the Santa Inez Seven Furlongs at Santa Anita coming up on the 9th. We will have the uh, Silver Bullet Day at Fairgrounds on the 22nd. Those are derby prep races. Uh, we'll have this list based on we just cool little um, PowerPoint that she put together with all this info. Um, yeah, the Oaks Championship, it looks like we're not seeing more Oaks races until February. But this is an exciting season and another link that I am going to put up, even though we've put it in other things, you know, some of this stuff, it's just good to put again, I think. I'll put the link to the road to the um, road to the Kentucky Derby leaderboard, um, which is which is great to see. That way you can kind of keep your eyes on where the numbers are. Also, um, we've got. Uh, the undefeated watch uh, at Horse Racing Nation, and um, their scouting report for the top 
derby races. But in the leaderboard, one thing I was going to look at, it may have changed today, but I was looking at the leaderboard and uh, Papa Cap is still number one in the Kentucky leaderboard, which is sort of the total points plus the amount they've earned. Papa Cap has earned over half a million dollars and 12 points. So it's number one. But we like some horses slightly further down. So currently they've got Papa Cap, Rattle and Roll, number two, Jack Christopher, number three. We wanted to bet Jack Christopher at the Breeders' Cup. We couldn't, but wanted to because mm-hmm. uh, he scratched. But uh, Make It Big, number four, Smile Happy, not so interested. Slow Down Andy is now number six, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, I like. We've got Major General Dash Attack, Mo Donegal. So, of course, a Mo Kid, number nine. Um, and then rounding out, I'm going to give just a couple more. Number 10 is Covassier because we Covassier. like to say it. Number 11 is now Epicenter, that just won. Um, that we were just talking about. And then we've got Command Performance, Classic Causeway. There's a name you're going to hear. And then, really, is there any else, anyone else I want to talk to in the, in the top 20? No. So let's talk about the tops. You were looking at sort of like Horse Racing Nation's Undefeated Watch and their picks. What horses are you liking the looks of for the Derby? At least I know it's early, but who, what do you love? Well, I'm always going to go with um, any Mo's. So we'll just say Mo, <laughs> Mo in general. Um, Echo Zulu is awesome. Um, Echo Zulu is awesome. A gun runner. A gun runner. Right. Um, let's see. Corniche is really good. I wish it wasn't a Baffert horse. They need yeah. to get that horse away from that guy. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? As soon as we finish this, we were going to talk about that topic too. But let's let's go through your list, uh, just some of your top favorites so far, and then we'll get to that. Yeah, and I love Jack Christopher. I think Jack Christopher is amazing. So, and then Rattle and Roll. Rattle and Roll. Okay, so <clears throat> I have to love Echo Zulu. Uh, I also like Corniche and want to talk about that. Um, I'm interested that North County, sorry, I said it was North Country, but North County, who is an Oaks candidate, is undefeated. Um, Ah, I think that's cool. That'll be for the Oaks, not the Derby, but I was kind of like, oh yeah, I like that. So Mo Donegal looks great. Command performance. I have had, um, I don't know, some love with, uh, with command performance. So we'll see. Jack Christopher looks great. Um, Second tier, I'm sort of interested in Wit, who is a Pletcher horse. Okay. And I'm kind of like, mm, I'm sort of interested. Uh, I don't know. You know, maybe Wit's going to be sort of weeded out, but I kind of like that horse among the others that you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, if I had to pick my... My super favorites so far, Jack Christopher. I'm liking Slow Down Andy. I'm kind of into it. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of into it. Mo Donegal, Epicenter. I want to see more from Epicenter because I think Epicenter could be fantastic. So I'm I'm interested in that horse as well. But let's talk uh, briefly about that concept. Corniche and some other Derby targeted horses are Baffert horses. But Baffert 
is not allowed to have horses in the Kentucky Derby because the Kentucky State Racing Board has banned him. So what is going to happen in terms of the timing? If these horses want to run in the Derby, they got to get them out from the Baffert stable. When do they do that? Or how do they do that? So Churchill Downs, we'll put a link to this. Churchill Downs announced a ban on Baffert entrance last year, meaning he would not be able to enter horses into 2022's Derby or 2023's. So because he has been banned from that, and we all know the sad story of uh, Medina Spirit, rest in peace, rise in glory, um, we will have to see how these horses who are genuine competitors get moved out of his stables because it's one thing maybe you think this trainer you know shenanigans aside maybe you think this trainer has the ability to turn your horse into a derby winner Mm -hmm. but the longer you leave your horse there does it make it harder to shift to another trainer before the derby and as um Weege and I were talking about it, they had put some pieces in place before the Breeders' Cup. Uh, no, not before the Breeders' Cup. Was it before? It was before some other race, um, maybe in Saratoga, because he was banned in New York too, to make it so that you couldn't just move a horse on paper. Right. Like to another stable, but Baffert was still basically training it. Or there was one, a horse that got moved under his wife. And then like, but obviously Baffert is still very much in control of that horse's training right. and all that. So they put in some things in place. I think New York did so that um, he actually had to move stuff out of his training into another legit trainer. I think it was Bill Mott who took his horses for New York races, but for the Derby, it's going to be kind of a different ball game. So where are those horses going to go and how quickly are we going to see those horses start moving? Like who's the first be, horse? It, yeah. It has to be before they start earning those big points before those big points races. Cause it says points will not be awarded to any horse oh. trained by an individual suspended from 2022 Derby. So oh. I'm thinking it has to be when they start getting to those big point that, races. So it's going to be February. It's got, it can't be later than half through February because we yeah. start to see the, the real Derby that, you know, the other state derbies that are worth right. 100 points, those show up. So yeah, so who's going to move first? I would think, to me, Corniche is the real deal. I think move that horse to another great trainer and mm-hmm. really give him his maximum chance to win. Right. I mean, I just think... I mean, yeah, I, just, I think that it would be a waste. Why would you do that? Why would you not let Corniche run in the Derby? Get him out somewhere in February, you know, in like you know, come the February 17th, the UAE Oaks, the UAE Derby. Those are starting to get into the bigger zone with 50 points each. Get the work into those, right? That's that's what I'm kind of thinking. Yeah, I I would think so. Like just get get them there uh, and really give them a chance to adjust because obviously if they're going to another stable, they're going to be with different horses, with different staff, different styles, 
really give them the maximum chance to adjust and to start performing or continue performing at that super high level. I would just think, why stall the inevitable? Right, just right. So it's going to have to be the smart thing yeah. to do is like beginning of February, move that horse. So we'll see what happens. But this is our prediction. Our predictions, I think, are pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blowing our horn here, but I'm blowing it. <laughs> I'm but blowing so that far, horn. Yeah, so far and stuff like this, like you just have to figure, you know, these horses, they take one month rests between races. Do you really think waiting until the last minute to move them when you know they're going to have to win at least one of these big prep races to make sure they're, you know, derby eligible or they're going to have to make great shows in other non-prep uh, championship races to get kind of into the lower fields. I mean, I don't think this year is going to be, you know, like last year, we ended up having some derby entrants who had single digit points. Um, but it was a real, yeah, like two, Yeah, it was <laughs> it a was real, crazy. so like we had 20 horses going into the derby as usual, which is a huge field, you know, for what we're used to seeing when it's anywhere from like eight to 12, we usually see sometimes even smaller, but the, the final entrant had two points. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's going to be the case this year. We've already got tons of great horses. The racing environment has freed up a lot because of the pandemic. People are going to be out and racing. They're able to travel with their horses more freely to get to these races the purses have all gone up. Like we've seen these purses go up. So that's incentive too, that people are going to be getting their horses in these races because some of them are quite fat and rich. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we're going to be looking at these little low points ones getting in. So you need to give your horse the chance to really be eligible at the highest levels. I just think if you need a month to prepare for a race between the last race and the first race, if they're racing at all in January, as soon as that race is over, move them. Just move them. Mm -hmm. you because, know, if I mean, this is one of those things. It just plays into the legend of that horse, their ability to, you know, be a, a stud or a broodmare of note, you know? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't just, it isn't just about the million dollars you can win, although $1 million is great. <laughs> is great. <laughs> but, you know, and you also, you know, have other parts of that purse that you can win, but it's the fact that you had a, a derby entrant or you had a derby winner, you know, or a place or a show. I mean, those things matter in terms of the kinds of, or uh, the kinds of races that you can get your horse into later. And then also, um, just being able to breed, um, you know, really nice, well, uh, I don't know, I'm thinking well-heeled, but that's not really the term I use, but just, you know, well-founded um, candidates. Right, well-established candidates yeah. who, who where you look at the bloodline and right away you go, oh yeah, this horse, mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah, because um, he because won that... the derby or she won the der or the oaks or what have you. Right. Right. So we're we're definitely going to be looking at who does the first move. I, I would be I would be moving earlier rather than later. It's not that Baffert uh, hasn't been a great and important trainer because he certainly has and that mm -hmm. he hasn't made his mark on the sport because he certainly has. But you got to move him. And so I would say 
maybe we're looking at, you know, some of the younger trainers like Chad Brown looked great during the Breeders' Cup. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, move move them over there. Move them to Pletcher if you like them. There are other trainers in the world and, you know, maybe some of them could come forward now. That, yeah, there are some up and comers too that are, you know, that are younger trainers and maybe some of those will, you know, get a chance to come forward. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens with that, but that'll mm-hmm. be, that'll be interesting to follow. So we want to say, uh, like, uh, subscribe, especially if you're watching this on YouTube, feel free to subscribe, but all your likes and your comments really help us. Uh, we post these things concurrently on multiple podcast platforms. You can find it in like, I don't know, eight or nine different places. Also, we post an audiogram version on YouTube. We've got more stuff on our YouTube channel in what's called educational resources, where there's some more stuff that is actual videos that have illustrations and depictions and that kind of stuff. So it's an actual video. But uh Mostly we're putting our audiograms out here so you can enjoy them. We noticed that YouTube has now added a podcast director. So they're really paying attention to the fact that lots of people like us put our podcasts on YouTube. And so maybe we'll start to see some new features that will make it even more podcast friendly. I think that would be great. That would be Um, great. But until next time, that's it from me. So what about you, Weege? I think that's it from me. Um, Happy New Year, everybody. It's going to be a great new year. And happy racing, y'all. Happy racing, y'all.